Maybe it's because Brian Rust is scoring, like, all the goals lately, or maybe it's because it's finally dawning on us that Brian Rust is going to be an unrestricted free agent this summer. But it sure feels like it's time to wonder, out loud and uncomfortably, if this might be his last season here. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. The Penguins and Capitals will face off tonight at PPG Paints Arena. It's a 7.08 drop of the puck. It'll be the last game the Penguins play before heading into the All-Star break. The next one will be a week from today in Boston. I'll actually be flying up to cover that one in addition to this one. Rust is having another terrific season in a string of them now. He is exactly what we see that he is. If you prorate his production over the course of a typical National Hockey League season, that guy is a slam dunk, stick it in the bank, 30-goal scorer. I believe that up, down, and sideways. I also believe that he's capable of a lot more than that, as he shows us on a nightly basis. This has become a legit top six winger in the National Hockey League, regardless of who he's playing with. Because he's shown that, too, spending significant time next to Sidney Crosby, but also next to Evgeny Malkin and next to, you know, human centers as well. He's always, always, always been productive. And he's a champion. And he's everything else. And you don't want to lose a player like that. So in light of what really got this conversation started, and that, of course, was the signing of Jeff Carter to a two-year deal where he gets a little more than $3 million per year, you can sort of start knocking down the dominoes in your head to see where it leaves Rust. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, Rust is currently in the final year of a contract that pays $3.5 million per year. It's not a bad deal that he signed, but it's an outstanding deal from the Pittsburgh perspective, one of a handful that Jim Rutherford signed with players like Rust. He did it uh, more notably with Jake Gensel that more than makes up, by the way, for all the complaining that happened about Jack Johnson and other guys, Jim's savings on Rust and Gensel and a few others dwarf any figure that he threw away on players who didn't pan out. But yeah, Rust's underpaid, and he's going to be 30 years old, so he's still in his prime. And this should be the contract of his life. This is the big one. You've made your way up, you've had your breakout, you've established yourself, and you're going to test the open market, theoretically, for the first time. This should be the big one. Now, what's that mean in exact dollars? Well, 
if you're Russ's agent, you're going to be looking at like, you know, Mitch Marner in Toronto, who's just sickeningly overpaid by the Maple Leafs at $11 million a year, but he's only 24 years old. So he could, I guess, in the minds of whichever dope in the Toronto organization signed this deal from the team perspective, blossom into something more than what he is. They're still waiting on that. You could look at Gensel's deal and see that he's getting $6 million this season and for each of the next two, but again, that's a, that's a good price for the team, for a player who's in his 20s, who's scoring with the consistency and the frequency that Jake does. So where's Rust in that? You know, I I could look at his terms and say he's probably in the five million range, you know? Especially if you give him significant term, you know, if you stretch it out a little bit. Uh throw in security. Uh, that's something that tends to work with players, especially when they like where they are. And I'm pretty sure he does. So five million more, six million, something in the Jake range. Whatever the case, if it's something like that, I'm here to tell you and to assure you this team can, that's with an N at the end, afford it. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Now, how could I say that the Penguins management can afford nearly doubling Brian Rust's pay with an offseason coming up that also has Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, Danton Heinen, Evan Rodriguez, and other players coming up as unrestricted free agents? How can I say that with confidence, especially knowing that the NHL salary cap isn't budging from $82 million. It's going to stay there. That's a COVID thing. They're still trying to recoup losses on the owner's end and through player escrow and other boring stuff, but the cap is staying put. Well, I'm no capologist, and I don't play one on TV either, but I did open up the full listing of the Penguins' salaries for this year, next year, year after that, as well as who's getting set to expire. And I'm going to get you started here in pretty strong fashion by cutting Kasperi Kapanen. He's a restricted free agent after this season, which means the Penguins would have to tender him an offer. If the Penguins were to tender Kapanen an offer after watching his play this season, they would be committed, meaning Hextall and Burke, presumably to the same cell for further punishment. I don't believe that's going to happen. Did you know Kapanen is making $3.2 million this year? That's a pretty big cap hit. Now, if he 
is cut, of course, the 3.2 doesn't go to a zero. It goes down to the NHL minimum, which this year was 750000 but it's still a pretty big chunk of cap space. If he's replaced by a player who's at or near the NHL minimum. Who could replace Kapanen in this lineup? Well, damn near anybody for how ineffective he's been. But I could also throw in names. Drew O'Connor, Radim Zahorna, Valtteri Pustinen, leading scorer down in Wilkes-Barre right now, have a full year in North America under his belt by this coming fall. These guys are all minimum wage guys that you actually might rather watch them in this lineup right now than Kapanen. There are lots of different ways to get yourself depth wingers, and that's all Kapanen is. Even when he's on his game, he's a depth winger. He's really starting to cement his status in the National Hockey League. How about Zach Aston Reese? He's unrestricted after this season. 1.725 million. He's got one goal through 37 games. When everybody's healthy, I am predicting it. This is not a bold call on my part. He's going to become or start becoming a regular healthy scratch. You can't play forward in a modern National Hockey League game night after night after night after night without scoring. 1.725 million. That's another million, right? In savings, what have I got us so far? Around four? Let's see who else I can find here. You can move people, you know? I mean, we're we're always going to be looking at the Jason Zucker contract and hoping that there's one team dumb enough to pick up a $5.5 million deal, and that's what he's owed this season and next season before he's an unrestricted free agent. Or you can try to work out one of those uh, weird deals with Arizona or Ottawa or one of those teams that has a tough time spending up, up to the salary cap floor. And you give them a draft pick and they take it and, and they free up the cap space for you. And, and by the way, they, you know, Zucker's not a bad player. It's just a matter of creating cap space for the ones who matter. Then it gets you know, a little more challenging from there. Heinen can can go for all I care. He's been okay. He hasn't been great. I'm not just saying that because he's in a slump now. He does one thing pretty well, and that's to finish his chances. When he doesn't finish his chances, he's just another dude out there. Uh, Rodriguez, I would love nothing more than for him to get back on the horse and make this a tough decision, but it's been 12 games without a goal. 12 games. And that feels very much like water finding its level, doesn't it? And when he had 15 goals through the first 37 games, and you're thinking, this is nuts, he's on a 30-goal pace, 35-goal pace, what's going on here? Well, this is what's going on. Rodriguez is a $1 million cap hit, so he didn't cost much this year. Heinen is a $1.1 million cap hit, obviously also didn't cost much. There aren't a lot of savings to be had by losing either guy, but maybe there will be by saying, listen, we really liked what we saw of Rodriguez, but if he thinks that's going to be worth some massive raise, he's going to have to get it elsewhere. So what's left? What's left? Well, 
the two big ones. And they, more than anyone else, will dictate what ends up happening with Rust. Latang is at 7.25 million. I believe the Penguins can, should, and will commit to a figure in that range. If Latang agrees to it, great. If he doesn't, then that means my conspiracy theory that Latang will end up going to Montreal because his former agent just became the GM there, that of course being Kent Hughes, and he could work out some multi-gazillion dollar deal with Montreal and make himself a massive payday, return to Quebec, whatever else. In which case, the Penguins have no cap issues anymore. <laughs> it all becomes a moot point. And then there's Gino. Gino is at 9.5. Gino is going to be 36 years old. And if you look at the history of similar type players and similar age levels, they're not making the same money. And it would be very reasonable and I also think very realistic, as Gino definitely doesn't want to go anywhere else, to work something out with him where he takes less, maybe even significantly less, than the 9.5 to arrange his career finish towards something that might appeal to him. You know what I mean? Set him up for if he wants to play three more years, give him a three-year contract that's respectable and everything else that accounts for his age and allows the team to build around him and everything else. That's another, what, $2 million? How much money have I just handed Brian Rust? This can be done. It really can. When we come back, just one question. Time for just one question that's brought to you always on this program by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And right now, Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this show a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month. Just go to FuboTV.com/dk. FuboTV.com/dk. And today's J1Q comes from George, who boldly predicts, here's your question of the day for the Tuesday podcast. <laughs> Good for you, George. Always be assertive. Hold that clipboard out like you mean it when you walk into the room. George asks, will the Penguins look into some toughness slash size slash sandpaper for the playoffs? The Tampa Bay Lightning had Pat Maroon, Blake Coleman. Barkley, Goodrow, Yanni Gord, Zach Bogosian. They actually have more than that, too. You're leaving out Ryan McDonough, who's a pretty gritty guy um, as well. They are what they are. And the Blues before them were what they were, including with Maroon, of course. And there's a feeling in the National Hockey League, and it's one that happens to be shared by the current director of hockey operations in Pittsburgh, Brian Burke, that the pendulum is swinging a little bit back towards size. As Burke himself has pointed out, 
the last truly small team, small-ish team, to win the Cup was Pittsburgh. And that's when Pittsburgh basically came at the league with a sneak assault. You know, that there was no one in the NHL that was prepared for a team to just go all speed at them the way that one did. All of those Carl Hagelins flying all over the rink, pressuring the puck, generating tons and tons and tons of shot attempts, maintaining possession, and just wearing big physical teams down by tiring them out. But that script flipped right in front of our eyes when Washington, although the Capitals did add a little bit more speed and cut down a little bit on the size and the toughness, they were still a pretty big team when they won their first and only cup. And everything that we've seen since then has been big, but also fast and skilled. It's teams that for the most part are having their cake and eating it. That's a tall assignment. It really is. And it also doesn't matter at all. Not in Pittsburgh. This head coach has a way that he wants to play. He's won with it. He continues to win with it. And he continues to not care in the slightest how much his team beats up the other guys. When we're watching the games, and believe me, George, I'm with you on this, okay? I'm not new to the sport, to say the least. I want to see the team that I'm pulling for never back down. I want to see that team sticking up for their teammates. I want to see them instigating. I want to see them intimidating the other guys because I'm very much a product of the era where that led to W's. That led for some franchises to championships, especially when it was coupled with skill and speed and all that other good stuff. That's not the hockey that this coach wants to play. You will not see it. You might see the coach embrace the occasional Brandon Tanev, someone uh, in that spirit. Uh, obviously a classic sandpaper guy, but also a guy who's legitimately crazy fast in that order and makes things happen with the puck. And to his credit, he continued to do that in Seattle this season before the season-ending knee injury. Good hockey player. He fit in here. Now, does that mean if Sullivan had Pat Maroon, he wouldn't play him? No. I mean, I'm sure he'd find a way to get him involved. I'm sure he'd find a way to utilize his assets. But if you're going to give Sullivan size and a stout presence on the rink, he's going to take a Jeff Carter every time because Carter's got the size. Carter's not backing down from anybody. But Carter can also do other Really cool things like skate fast and score goals. That's just how it's going to be here. We can wish and complain and whatever else every time something doesn't go right 
for the Penguins. That seems to be the M.O. in Pittsburgh right now, is that every time they lose a game or two, or like now they've lost three, it's, wow, blow it up and get tough. Well, that's just not today's NHL for the most part, and it's definitely not this head coach. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We will do another one tomorrow.